imagine all life as you know it stopping instantaneously and every molecule in your body exploding at the speed of light. Total Protonic Reversal. Protonic Reversal. Protonic Reversal with your host, Kevin Neutron. Broadcasting from a secret underground lair in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Gigantic middle finger to everything that is rock about music, rock and roll, and corporate power. Thing is, though, if you don't laugh, you're gonna go on a killing spree, shot, and Confidence of a hero or fool, I wasn't exactly certain which. Could not be more professional. That's like a science thing, right? Indeed it is, indeed it is. It's a science thing. It's a science place. It's a scientific fact. We are all up in your face. That's right. It is time for, once again, for the one, the only... Protonic reversal. Welcome to it. All right. Well, we got a lot of great feedback from last week's episode with uh, Mr. Mike Watt, and uh, that was great. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and thank you to new listeners that have signed up uh, because of that show. This happens every week. It's the thing we do. It's a place you can be at if you feel so inclined, and welcome to it. Tonight is uh, none other than Mr. Kevin Rubanis of The Cows, Melvins, Tomahawk, often forgotten about, and, of course, Hepatitis. And looking forward to speaking with him. Getting down to it, finding out what's what, who's who, et cetera, et cetera, ad infinitum. So we'll get right to that. Let's hear a hepatitis song first. When you look them up, it's hepatitis. Get it? Hepatitis. I don't know. Anyway, that's what it is. This song's called dot, dot, dot.
right. Hear that? So there we had uh, there we had some hepatitis with a little uh, night goat uh, mit harmonica. I don't know. Actually, I don't remember what the German word for harmonica is. But of course, with us right now, we have none other than the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Kevin Rumanis. How are you doing, Kevin? Mostly the myth. Good. How are you? Good. Studio crowd going wild, of course, as you would expect. Woo! <laughs> Uh, thanks, thanks so much for talking to me, man. So this is—I uh, wasn't originally going to play that one, but as we uh, when you do things live, stuff happens. You, you played Night Goat. Yeah, yeah, and I—I I like that it's got like, it's got like the blues to it, and you have the uh, your your guest on harmonica, the fellow from—he's Australian, right? Yeah, Papa Howie. It, I totally think it's blues. You know what it reminds me of is um, when the levee breaks. Yes, yeah, totally. Now that you say that, I can totally hear that. Yeah, yeah, that wasn't the intent going in, but coming out, uh, I was like, ah, oh, which I, which I think is just fine. Yeah, I mean, there's obviously much worse things to sound like, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I and mean, then there's always that kind of blues undercurrent to all that junk that I do. So, uh, and that's something where that's maybe a good place to start. Were, were you trying to think of like, okay, let's do this and let's find a way to do it that's like a different spin on it? Or was it just sort of like, oh, that's... Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay. Uh, we wanted to do a different spin, but it I felt kind of lucky. It came out actually... I don't ever have any perception of how they're going to sound, but I felt lucky that it came out the way it did. I, I re- I'm really happy with it. The whole thing came up, it was Buzz's idea. He said, you guys should cover... You should do a single of Night Don't Make It a Hideous Nightmare. So that's what we did. <laughs> and Mission Bro Accomplished. <laughs> I said, well, that, well, thanks, Buzz. That's a good idea. Yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, it's certainly it's a know your audience kind of situation as well, and if, and you're going to have them in time for this for the store, right? You're gonna, you're going to have physical copies available at the Unbel- shows, right? Unbelievably, I got them in time. I already have them. I yeah. can't believe it. That's that's kind of astounding. Reco- it is because we recorded it in December. So, and, um, do you got some leverage on the uh, pressing plant or something, or <laughs> how did you pull that? Well, off? <laughs> our, uh, evidently, our guy, um, the guy that puts on our records, Joachim, is in Austria, and his record label is Rock as Hell, and he must have some kind of leverage because he contacted me and said, "Do you want?" And, like he contacted me, I think in December, and said, "Do you want to try to do a a single for um, the tour?" He knew the tour was coming up, and I and I said, "Well." <laughs> It's a little late in the game, and he said, well, I, uh, I'll talk to the pressing plant. And he said, if I have it by Wednesday, I can do it. And, of course, we couldn't record it by Wednesday. And I think a whole other week went by, and he said, let me talk to him again. And he said the guy would do it. I couldn't believe it. Wow, yeah, that's, and that's then Gina, stunning. Yeah, I, I, and I thought, well, there's no way it'll get here in time. Plus, we've had the mail hold up records for a month before at Customs for no reason. But for some reason, these got through, and we got them, yeah, last week. I couldn't believe it. That's a true success story. Whoever pressed that up should put the, print it out and put that up on a plaque or something. I mean, that's kind of incredible. Right? <laughs> and they, um, you had a guy over there, Master It, that did a great job. It was somebody he really liked that I don't have it in front of me, so I can't tell you anyone's names. But uh, And then uh, Gina Mousequaz, my wife, did the uh, art. She whipped up some pretty great art. And then he, he always he silk screens our covers oh, cool. over All there. Right. Nice. So you got a little piece a of art for job. each one. That's awesome. Yeah, each one's yeah individually screened, and they look great. They're on red. The tour version's on red vinyl. He's got. He's got um. 
label versions are on yellow vinyl, I think, and they have. I think you have some on. I don't know. There's different color variants, but we've got specifically seventy just for the tour. So if you're that kind of person that loves collecting, that that's the only way to get them is at the. We're, we're only doing like ten shows with the Melbourne. Yeah, that's probably not going to last until the end of the tour. I would imagine. Usually, has how that. Goes. No, probably not. Yeah, if you want, I don't know. I, I'm really happy with how it came out. It's a super nice uh, item. Yeah, I haven't oh, seen them in person, but they look they look incredible from a distance. I mean, it looks like a real. They look really good. Yeah. And Buzz took this really weird photo of us, so we printed up a pinup picture to put in each single, so that teenage girls can hang it up in their walls. Yes. <laughs> rub one out while they're watch, looking at us. <laughs> Maybe a specific kind of teenage girl for sure. Yeah, a teenage girl that's a forty-year-old dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's the one I that'd was. Thinking of. <laughs> yeah. That'd be my guess. Yeah, that'd be my guess. Well, and that's that's also there's two ways we can kind of go there. But real quick, how do you feel about you know I've talked to a lot of people about you know how the vinyl as a format's kind of come back, but it's been more this. It almost has to be a cool piece of art or thing in and of yeah. itself to be worth people's time anymore, right? I mean. I think so, because you can get anything online. You can get any song, pretty much, that you can dream up for free. Yeah, I mean, if you like, just get the spelling like 60% correct, it probably is going <laughs> to come up, you yeah. know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. That's why we do that. We always do super... It's basically like boutique art. It's, it's nice, handmade art that people can have that isn't going to cost them thousands of dollars. I mean, I, I'd compare it to anything. It's just really nice art. It's handmade. It's silkscreened some of it. Sometimes Gina does letterpress, which is a big giant press. You know, right. it's a hundred years old. Definitely it's not a handmade, art. nice stuff, <laughs> and and for good no, reason. No, not at all. It's not. <laughs> it's not computer at all. It's all hand done and hand drawn, and it's unique. And yeah, there aren't very many many of them. So I think it's just a nice way for people to have some real art, you know. And I personally, like, I listen to tons of, of digital music. It doesn't really bother me at all. But I like the objects. I like them a lot. Definitely. And with something, especially when it's something you like, just having almost like the yeah. physical manifestation of it is just kind of like, yeah, yeah, there's that it's thing. It's great. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a fetish, and that's fine, I think. It's normal. And I don't know, I love things. Like, I don't think vinyl sounds particularly good. I'm on. The, I'm in that camp that's, you know, I don't think it sounds better better, better than digital. But that being said, I enjoy it. Well, I mean, part of the reason why it "quote unquote" sounds good is because it actually sounds bad. Like, cause you get that compression yeah. on the drums <laughs> that you know. Yeah. Well, they, they mastered things. They mastered it differently back then, so it is mastered for vinyl. But if you're looking for, if you're like I, I find that people who actually record music sometimes are more towards the digital because they they can hear that you can hear. There's more clarity. You can hear everything. Right. Of course, the downside like is you that talk to someone you can hear old everything, school. <laughs> which sometimes, yeah, right? sometimes can be right. a double-edged sword. <laughs> but my experience is if I, if I talk to old-school people who've been doing it in the business a long time, they like digital better. Yeah. Well, no, there's so, just like a, we, oh, go ahead, sorry. We, we mastered with George Horn a really long time ago. He did, you know, he did Creedence Clearwater. He's yeah, done fantasy. Everyone. We, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We actually talked about him recently. Uh Actually, no, but I had Greg from Deerhoof on, and that first Deerhoof release, they they went to him, and of course yeah. they were excited. It's like, oh man, it's the guy from CCR, this and that. And, you know, he just kind of looked right. at them like they were coming from Mars, as you might might imagine. Yeah, yeah. 
but yeah, he was really cool. He was really cool to us, and his it was it was the Melvins, and we went down there, and and um, like we'd be doing something, he'd turn and go, you know that that low end isn't going to be on vinyl, and we go, yeah, we know, right? You know what I mean? He could hear that. He's like, it's not the same. It doesn't have the range. Well, and, and it's, someone like him. Yeah. More range is better, of course, you know? because because he's looking to hear like the whole sonic spectrum rather than, you know, right. The, the, he likes things that sound good. <laughs> 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 but that being said, I'm not opposed to any of this. Plus, it's it's a much nicer thing for us to create and work on. It's fun, you know. It's fun on our, our end too. Well, and you mentioned, and I, I really do want to get into it that you kind of have a unifying art aesthetic, at least with the the visual arts. Because uh, Gina does all the artwork, and she's got a very unique style. You know, it's kind of oh, like something, something that'll make you sort of like, whoa, like you like do a double yeah. take, you, like, <laughs> you take notice. Yeah. yeah, it suits our music, and it, you know, gets her art out there, too. Everything about it, it's a good situation. Right. And it's sort of like it's she really could, I'm sure, be like selling paintings and stuff, too, but the fact that like, oh, no, these are like, you get kind of like a, like a two-for-one sort of situation where you get like yeah, yeah. Music commercial and, art. Yeah. It's commercial art, but yet it's handmade and it's definitely organic. It doesn't, you know, it's not laid out on a computer, and that's obvious. Right. Although I'm not really opposed to that either. It's just really, it's high, high labor, high labor uh, uh, pieces. Well, it's, we do everything. It, you know? Yeah, at some point, a human being is touching every piece of it. You know, every and, and every single part of it, except for the pressing of the vinyl, a human being has done everything else. You know, right. and and again to sing Jokum's praises in Austria, he he hand screens all that shit. Sometimes we make him jump through crazy hoops, and he'll do it. That's like wild. we really asked him to do some nut stuff, and then he he's Austrian. He's very uh, precise and and uh, mm. just weird. And then he'll say, "Well, I don't know if I can line that up." And then we're saying, don't line it up. It's meant to look hand-pressed and each one's different. <laughs> right, don't worry about it. The flaw is the feature. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then he'll send it and it's perfectly lined up because he just can't do it. He can't do it. He can't let it. <laughs> That's an we had him, we, Right? We had him screen these. Um, we did this three-disc vinyl thing. Again, who does that? Who lets you do that? He let us do this. So dumb. Three volume. I mean, it's great, but three, it's, 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 if you're trying to make money, forget about it. You know, <laughs> it's nuts. And the way we do things, he we still made money. It's crazy. Yeah, not a lot, but enough to pay off the the um, recording. Yeah, say. enough to pay off the recording bill. And uh, like we said, okay, we two of the discs only had music on one side, so the other side was flat. And we asked him to silk screen on it. Uh, a mega sign on both, and then it says "fu" on one and "ck" on the other one. And he just—he's like, oh, I, I, I've never silk screened on vinyl. I don't." And then they came out like it looks like a perfect machine did them. Right, right. It, it looks, looks amazing. Yeah, he did a great job. So it's just funny because we really make him do weird stuff. But he's a fan of funny packaging. Lucky for us. Yeah, I mean that's that sounds like a good guy to have in your corner. It's great. <laughs> I don't know who else would even touch this shit of ours. Nobody. <laughs> Nobody would touch us and then have us make demands. Let's do a book. Okay. <laughs> so, I mean, and you've been making records a long time. Is it is it kind of yeah. bizarre to see this sort of limited edition boutique item? You know, again, as we mentioned, this is a human being, like, touching every piece of it, like, kind of becoming a thing that can be, you know, at least sustainable for its own sake uh, as a thing within the yeah. world. I mean, I, I certainly... It's really lucky. 
would not have expected it in the 90s, let's put it that way. No, no way. I remember, I mean, I'm, I'm a lot older than everyone and anyone. And uh, I remember when vinyl started disappearing, and I, and, then, and I was like, this is really weird. It was just you couldn't buy it. Yeah. And, like, nobody was really talking about it, I just noticed. And then, <clears throat> to my eyes, it looked, it looked to me like DJ saved vinyl. I think that's true. They started bu- yeah, because they started buying up the old stuff, and then it seemed like slowly, I think that's what it looked like to me, just as an observer. So it looked like it was almost totally gone, and then DJs started kind of relit the fire a little bit. Maybe. I don't know this for sure. Well, I think you're onto something, because, I mean, at the time, I worked at a record <coughs> store, the... Um, you know, we won't say dearly departed, oh, but the departed uh, Tower Records, and it was right when they were making oh. everyone was making the jump to CDs, and so right. for a while it was like there was vinyl and CDs, and the vinyl kind of gradually started diminishing, diminishing more and more CDs. But what I noticed is that yeah. the cool record stores would always be uh, frequented by folks that yeah did DJ nights or dance nights or whatever, yeah. and. They yeah, always yeah. seem to keep it in stock, and it's like, oh, interesting. Those those are the folks still doing yeah. that. The guy, yeah, they were the guys I had least to do with at that point. You know, they weren't in my world yet. I could see it. It was like those guys are the only reason this shit's still around. <laughs> they basically took that, you know that whole format on life support until it, you know, made its quote yeah. comeback. And you know what else I noticed is all the way since I was a kid till now, no matter what formats, big or what styles, what kind of store you go into, everyone carries craft work. It doesn't matter what the genre is <laughs> or anything. I was like, wow, craft work just will not go away. Well, and, and so on that, and again, I, I have to just, because I'm going to get mails if I don't, I've got to preface it by saying that I really don't care that much about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but the fact that yet right. again, craft work got snubbed is like, really? Oh, really? I mean, again, it's like, and for the same reasons you mentioned, it's like, it's like the one thing that's like, man, everyone likes craft work. Are you kidding me? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like how many But there was only... When only electronic DJ places had vinyl, I'd go in there just to see, and they had always had Kraftwerk. Always, every time. All, sh- all stuff I'd never heard of, and Kraftwerk. Yep. Yeah, exactly. It's great. It's interesting. Because <laughs> they are, let's face it, they're not exactly Chuck Berry rock and roll, but everyone likes them. Well, a lot of people like them. Well, yeah, and yeah, maybe not uh, everyone, but certainly a lot of people. But they fit into, they seem to fit into, appeal to every genre I've ever seen. And the thing that got me, and then again, I, I really don't want to turn this into a discussion about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It's like you have, uh, oh. or or work. you have Whitney Houston coming into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That's like, okay, yeah. See, I have no idea. I'll have to take your word on it, but that sounds pretty ridiculous. Yeah, I mean that one. Well, that one especially jumped out at me because I, I was like, hmm, I'm not necessarily against that, but I don't understand. I don't understand what I don't know anything mean. about the. I don't understand. I mean, I don't know anything about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame except that it exists. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, from what I've heard, I don't think they even fly people out for it. I think, I think everything. From what I've heard, it's a, the whole thing's a hustle. Yeah, you got to like pay for pay your way in. I, I've heard some. I've heard uh, some uh, sort of rumors uh, along those same lines. It's a money making hustle. It's not a. It's not some love of rock and roll. Yeah. I mean, not, oh yeah, they're real they're, altruist. <laughs> yeah. No one in rock and roll would give a shit about that. Yeah, and that's that's you know that's and that's the idea of like what's so funny you know whatever like Sex Pistols being inducted or something and then they were like no man that's got nothing are you kidding me this is like the opposite of did what that happen I believe it did, did, so, did yeah 
now I'm definitely going to start getting emails about this, which is exactly what I was hoping to avoid. But I'm I'm pretty sure that did happen. I'm pretty sure they uh, did a, a typical John Lydon, Johnny Rotten sort of response yeah. in that, as you can imagine. Yeah. You can Mad Libs yeah. that one. Yeah. It, 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 I know some people really hate him or, or criticize him or whatever, but to me it's like, it's Johnny Rotten. He can do whatever the fuck he wants. <laughs> he's exactly. He's earned the ability to do whatever the hell he wants. Agreed. I don't care. I don't care if I agree. He's allowed. It's kind of like Nick Cave, who I haven't, I haven't been a fan of any of his shit since the birthday party just because that's my taste. No big deal. Yeah. But again, if he, I still think it's McCabe. He can do whatever he wants. I, I like people are bit, bitching about, oh, he, he played uh, uh, that country we don't like. I can't remember. Oh, he played called. Israel and like it was. Israel. He didn't acknowledge yeah, yeah. Palestine. And I remember and, thinking, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I remember thinking, first of all, it's Nick Cave. He can do whatever he wants. <laughs> Second of all, the Bad Seed, the Bad Seed, the birthday party Bad Seed 12 inch has an album cover size swastika on it. Nobody's bitching about that. <laughs> That's true. I forgot about that. I actually have that one. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, it's just random and I don't care. It has nothing to do with, I don't think he's a Nazi. Let's put it that way. Well, well sure. But uh, again, I think you hammered it at home where, it, where it's, and again, birthday party's also one of my favorite bands of all time. So you're preaching to the choir on that one. But it's like Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. I think there's some some cool stuff there. There's some stuff that I'll just go ahead and say is not for me, and that's okay. It's a little adult rock for me. Yeah, some of it's great, and actually, there is some really cool kind know. of weird, listen. kind of more jacked up, freaky sounding stuff. And like sure. that's the stuff that I'm more into. But even when it's like some boring middle manager background music. <laughs> like I'm still yeah. like it's Nick Cave, man. Why am I going to get angry at it? Yeah, what, that's what, what I mean. <laughs> I haven't really heard anything that I care. I haven't heard that much of it, but I haven't really heard anything that I loved that was just him. But like I said, yeah, to me it's a little adult contemporary for my case, but yeah, I don't care. But he, he can he can do whatever the fuck he wants. That's just fine with me. So what do you think it takes to for an artist to get to that level, to get to that just like you get your, your past? Get that big? Yeah. Like, I mean. Well, who knows? Like Iggy Pop can make I as many butt towns as he wants, and he's still Iggy Pop, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but Iggy Pop was a Iggy Pop was completely unknown, wallowing in, in being unknown and mentally ill and a drug addict for a very long time, and nobody knew who the fuck he was. Right. So it's a com- it's a complete miracle to me that he's gotten as big as he is. Complete miracle, and I don't. It's Iggy it's Iggy Pop, and you are the fuck he wants. I do wish he'd put a shirt on, but hey, <laughs> especially these days, yeah, <laughs> sort of like yeah, I need some some old brown raisin walking around, but that's fine. I mean, I feel like him and Daltrey are in that same category of like, you know what? It's you, you that was a good run for that, but like maybe you could fuck you know, yeah, it's okay. Button that up. I didn't, I didn't see the movie, the documentary, the Stooges I, one from. Yeah, and I heard people liked it, people didn't. Whatever. The only thing I wondered and. I'm not sure why I'm bringing this up, but being around in those days, he was a fucking scumbag, and so were they. And I, I, which again, that's not a criticism. No, no. But I, wa- I get you. I'm wondering if that came across because they were. It was pretty rough. That's part of the reason they weren't accepted. They were really nasty group of men. Uh, so strangely enough, this is now the second episode in a row where I've talked about this documentary. But uh, I did see it. Uh, it was fine. Uh, I didn't think, yeah, I think that sure. that's 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 something that should be explored. Did they touch on that? Not really, not really. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't even care. I'm just, it's just a mention. I mean, that was back then. Again, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm older than a lot of the people listening. I was there. 
you know, I was buying, listening to the Stooges. I knew about them, but no, they were so obscure. Nobody knew about it. Yeah, exactly. Well, and that's what I was trying to explain uh, on another episode. And it was, I, I kind of actually chalk it up to when they came back with Watt in the Dave Alexander role that it sort of just brought a new generation of people in to be like, oh yeah, this is actually really good. And they had the sort of, there was a time that sort of like, if you knew the Stooges, you probably either played in a band or worked at a record store. You know, it's uh, <laughs> not to put too did you ever, party, I'm you know? sure you did. I'm, sh- I'm sure you did. Did you ever uh, listen to Metallic KO? Oh, of course. Yes. That's the Stooges. That's Iggy Pop. They couldn't play worse shit. They they were on fire. Yeah. <laughs> and they were, and it was a fucking nightmare. And it was the funniest shit I ever heard. So funny. And he was so nasty. And whether they could play worse shit or not, that's a smoking performance. It's it's I mean, it's it's one of the all time greats. But again, not just not because it's like, you know, flawless. Uh, you know, Steely Dan style it's perfection. Not, it's because it's, it's not even close up. to flawless. <laughs> yeah, it's it's messed it's up. <laughs> it's flawful. Flawful. <laughs> flawful. It's full of flaw. I, and and so, to me, the pinnacle of what he says is, and the whole thing is, how many of you hate the Stooges? And they go, yeah. And then he goes, kind of off mic. We don't. We don't hate you. We don't even care. <laughs> and I was like, that's it, right there. The perfect that's summation. That's it in a nutshell. So what other stuff when you were when you were coming up before you were the Kevin Romanos everyone knows and loves and star of stage? Ooh. What stuff were you listening to? Were you your big obviously your big Stooges fan birthday party? Like what other stuff? But that wasn't until I was in, yeah, but that wasn't until I was in my I was an adult by the time I heard that stuff. Were you coming up through like classic you know rock I mean? and stuff? Um, you know, my biggest first love, and it's kind of a cliche, but it was Alice Cooper. There's no doubt about it's it. I cliche about that, man. That stuff holds up. At least those. No, I, the, my first concert, first concert I ever saw was the Billion Dollar Babies tour. And it was such a relief to me. I was like, oh, he hates everyone as much as I do. Thank <laughs> fucking God. It's not, because I thought maybe it was my imagination. Right. Like, no, it's not my imagination. He was nasty. They were great, but he was. It was, it was what I needed to know. I was growing up in Nebraska. It was sterile and weird, and uh, I needed to know that. It was, a, it was a huge relief. Well, and it's a big show too, and it's got you know. Oh yeah. Certainly, if you're not used to seeing that kind of thing, it's like whoa! Like he's getting his head chopped off. That's crazy, you know. <laughs> like, <laughs> he was doing it. Was it was it's like a, a little more show. hardcore than it was even. Yeah, he's totally vaudeville. I remember he had these chrome busts on stage. And he would spit on the tit and let it drool off and catch it in his mouth and spit it on the audience. Ah. I was like, <laughs> I was like, that is so rad. Wow, that's amazing. I liked it so much. I was like, oh, fuck yeah. So you see Alice Cooper, and that's kind of like you connect with the fact, oh, there's someone that's kind of coming coming from the same similar not peace and love yeah. place that I'm coming from. He had a different story he needed to tell, and I needed to hear it. Right, but I mean, I don't, that's not totally true. I remember when I was you used to be able to buy singles, mm-hmm. like a Target or something. Target wasn't around, but we just go down and steal anything. And I'm those were great. There was even a Three Dog Night single I thought was great, and there was Relay by the Who. And I remember I bought a Gene Genie 
Oh yeah. This, well, I didn't. I didn't exactly buy it, but <laughs> I got my hands on. Yeah, it was acquired. We'll use passive voice on that. Yeah, but I mean, it was. It, we don't know the statute of limitations. Know, this, is, this is just. This totally sounds like Grandpa Simpson back in the day talk, but that's how I remember. It. And it was a lot of fun. It was every kind of music. It was uh, rare earth. It wasn't just like hard rock. There was all kind. There was uh, backstabbers by OJ's. Just all this stuff. Oh, yeah. It was all on the radio. Yeah. It was all on the radio. And it wasn't really as strictly defined by genre and type. Like here's here's everyone in their slot and their bin. It's sort of just like there it is. We don't. It's it's it either yeah, works yeah. or it doesn't. Well, now it's all pro- it's all programmed. There's no like live DJs. But this was I'm talking about AM radio. Yeah. that's what was crazy. You can hear the anything. clock radio. Yeah, yeah. And I've heard other people mention that there was this thing that at night somehow would skip from where the hell were they? Little Rock. Oh, or because with day. AM radio, you can, yeah, yeah. during like a clear and I night. can't remember what they were called. Yeah, 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 okay. yeah. But I'm, it would come through at 2 a.m. And uh, I remember that's where I heard Horses by Patti Smith, and I was just like, what the fuck? I couldn't believe it. But then also I couldn't believe uh, uh, Bette Midler's cover of the Boogie Woogie Bugle Man. I, like, I liked it all. <laughs> well, I haven't thought about that in a while. <laughs> yeah, nobody does. There's no reason to. Yeah. <laughs> But it, it all stuck to me for some whatever reason. I was, I was into it. I liked what people were doing. I, I started playing piano when I was little, and I liked some of that. You know, some of that stuck with me too. There was weird, strange compositions. My mom remembers me. She said the, the teacher. I was only like five or six. And the teacher had given me some book that had strange contemporary, really simple versions. Mm-hmm. I remember there was like a little Bartok piece. And my mom said I just lit up. I was like, yeah. Oh, That's nice. Boy, I like it. I was yeah. thinking like Scott Joplin or something, but yeah, Bartok's definitely a lot more. Oh, fuck that. <laughs> Scott Joplin was well over my head at six years. So was Bartok, but they had like really simplified kid groups. Yeah, I yeah. don't remember the other composers. There were yeah. other guys that were cool. I should actually look into it because I don't know who they were. But I just remember liking it. It was strange and awkward sounding. So were you playing beyond just, you know, playing piano and stuff when you were still in Nebraska, or was it when you moved to Minnesota that it... No, no, this is when I was, like, six years old in Nebraska. Oh, wow, okay, so you... Gotcha, okay, I get you. All right, good to get the... Uh... Well, then in third grade, I don't know why we're going through this. I played in a... It's fine, this uh, is the place. Uh, you know, the, junior, course, the junior Youth Orchestra. I played cello in the Junior Youth Orchestra, and I sucked. I was the last chair, but I really liked doing it. It was fun, you know? Right. Was anyone in that orchestra really good? Was there someone that was like better than everyone else, or was everyone kind of in the same boat? Oh, I don't remember that well. It was kind of more of a social thing. Me and my friend would sit in the back at our last, the last stand in the back. You know, we were eighth chair or whatever we were, and just screw around. But it was fun. You know, you played yeah. music. You got to do a show. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of the same like it is now, I guess, in a certain degree. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it wasn't hideously loud, but it was still pretty fun. So how do you go? Do you do you start up playing bands while you're still in school? Or no. Are you, okay. Nope, nope. A total stop. I just stopped. <laughs> you never know. And then, uh, yeah, I just stopped. I mean, I played guitar on my own. That's, you know, I guess, now that I think about it, I picked up like an acoustic, and I would just play along with the most rudimentary, stupid blues, because I could. I could hear it. It was easy and it was fun. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's and, that's a good reason as any to start. Yeah, something. just like <laughs> I would just plink along, like I wasn't playing chords. Just ding, ding, ding. But I could, I could hear it. You know, I could tell if I was in tune. It was fun. 
And then I didn't do anything. And then I, I didn't pick up the bass till I was like 28. Wow, that late? Really? Yep. This wasn't yep. something that appealed to you, or you didn't see a reason? Or or... What, what's the question? Sorry. It, it just didn't appeal to you? Or what was, was there a rationale? What didn't appeal it? to me? Uh, playing. Uh, like, that I didn't do it till then, you mean? Yeah, yeah. That seems like kind of a big gap to... Yeah, I was busy. Okay. I had a I had a bunch of drinking and some drugs to take. <laughs> yeah, there's no time. It's got, got to get on I the drinking. I was very busy. <laughs> I was very busy. And then uh, I couldn't possibly. You have to bu- see my agent. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I was far too busy. But I, I lived in Minneapolis at the time when my brother lived there. It was just total reaction. It was like God. Every band in town just sucks. And we were aware of this other music that we liked, so we just started a band. And he started. He taught himself the drums, and I taught myself the bass. It was just me and him, just making vile, horrible sounds. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> Which I mean, do you really need more than that? I guess you don't. If you stop and think about it, right? Do I really need less than that? Do you really need any more than that? And you know, it's getting together and making oh, it was, horrible sounds. <laughs> no, it was great. Me and, and then when the, we got a couple other people, so we started the cows. It was. It was like we didn't, I didn't realize so much later how much we practiced because it was just a party. We did it, you know, three or four times a week for six hours, you know, just bring a case of beer and take some acid and turn out the lights and play for six hours. Yeah, that sounds like and, Dirtbag Beatles kind of like work ethic. <laughs> yeah, but it was just us. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it just, uh, I, did, I really didn't realize it. We played together a lot. And then it makes me realize that that music, I don't know. It, it, we evolved into something that was just who we were. It was great. Everything was really fun. Well, I mean, I definitely would say that the cows uh, establish you establish your own voice to, to the point that it it's really even the rare time I can say a band sounds like the cows. It's usually where like oh, it means like this one era of what the cows did or this one kind of thing that the cows did, which uh. is good. And for for an iconic band, you know, that's something that a lot of people try to do that and. It also seemed very authentic and uh, you know not not preconceived at all with you guys. It just was right, right. That's what came. Yeah, out. I, I, yeah thanks. That's nice. I, I agree, though. We were we were pretty insulated. We were unliked by other people or the music scene, and you know which we were used to, and we didn't really care. So we were really insulated and just did what we did. Like Hazelmeyer said, he said, I think a lot of reason that you didn't get bigger is because you guys actually were like that. It wasn't a it wasn't, it wasn't an expectation, uh, yeah. It wasn't a yeah. A you guys were, I, I really were, yeah. You guys really behaved like that and thought that way. And then he said that some people might find that off-putting. I have no idea. <laughs> That's what the reports are. <laughs> yeah. Did you find that there were bands that you didn't have common cause with, or bands that you felt that you had an affinity or you know like-minded? Oh yeah, oh yeah, tons of them. I mean, obviously, the most obvious one is the Butthole Surfers. Yeah. You know, I don't think we, I don't know. I never thought we sounded like them musically, but we certainly loved their attitude and, and embraced it. Although I think some people, I think I even heard they kind of felt like we were ripping off their sound. I'm not sure about that. Could be all gossip. But I never felt like we were really, I didn't think we were doing that if we were. It was, all I know is our guitar player fucking hated them. <laughs> <laughs> Which is neither here nor there, but it saves. It gives me the integrity to say, no, I don't think we were really in, in, in imitating, but we were certainly affected and impressed with how they approached performing. Well, well, I'd say it definitely seemed like it was coming from a 
for lack of a better term, gentle nihilism uh, sort of mindset. Yeah. But ah, not, but not like music-wise. <laughs> no, that's very funny. We were more about... I thought we were more about vaudeville and... I mean, there was always that blues thing underneath mm-hmm. it, but that was never so... That was never conscious either. I think that's just really the only way I knew how to play. Like, I, I can't really play, like, straight... I couldn't just jump into some recording and play bass for someone that was, like, a regularly structured music. I don't know how to do that. Mm. Interesting. Okay. <clears throat> but I do know how to make a racket. Right. <laughs> well, and so then what, what inspired you with the slide? Because that's, to this day, I still have oh, barely seen anyone ever that was do just, that. Yeah, that was just... Uh, I've done it with playing along with blues records, you know, like I even went so far as to make, like, I didn't know you could buy slides. I didn't restring my guitar. This is all in a vacuum. You got to understand. Right, right. No, this is great. I love it. This is, this is why people listen to so the I, show. So go ahead, please. I used a, I used a bone because <laughs> I had heard you could do that. Like, like, wait, wait a, a bone, like, like a like cartoon, a, like bone. Like a, like a round bone from a steak. Okay. Gotcha. All right. Okay. It didn't work very well, but you know, whatever. And then, I had heard a bottleneck slide, so I I broke a neck off of something, and then I tried to file it down so it wouldn't cut up my hand, and it kind of worked, but it was still sharp and weird. I don't remember how I finally discovered there was such a thing as a slide. Yeah, do you like go into a music store I, and like go like, oh, you can buy these? I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember. I don't remember, but. I did, I had, a, I lived in, you know, this big, you know, the big weird junky, not junky like heroin, well, that too, but just a big house that would be a lovely Victorian house, except it was beat to shit by creeps. And I lived in one of those houses and I don't know what I got it. I had some column for all my gear was always just whatever I could piece together. I didn't know anything about gear. I still don't know that much about it. And, uh, with some big column with padding on the side of it, like a foot wide and five feet tall. So I would lay it on its side and sit on it and plug whatever head I had into it and just play. And then I somehow I tried a slide one day. I think I was really sick and couldn't leave the house or something. <laughs> I can't remember. Seems like I was stuck in the house. Born of boredom. So I start, yeah, something. I, start, I remember the day it happened, but I don't know what, where I got the slide. or All I remember is sitting on that big speaker and just blasting it because you could and a shitty part of town. And playing on that, that's pretty rad. I mean, I dare say it probably yeah, is still pretty rad. You know, it's it's a cool sound. I'm surprised more people don't do it. Yeah, so that that's and it's interesting that the very few times I've seen other people do it, every single one of them, two or one, has been like, "Oh yeah, like Kevin from the Cows," and I'm like, "Okay, I've I wasn't going to say it." Anyone do it? it it's ha- it's happened like maybe uh, twice, maybe three times ever in like 20 years of touring, and. You know who who did it that I was not aware of his music or him, but I saw in press he credited me, which I thought was incredibly nice, was that guy from, um, he's dead now, Morphine. Oh, oh wow, wild, wild. Yeah, I can totally, I can I can hear that now. That's awesome. And I don't, I don't know his music. I never met him, but I saw him credit me with that, and I was like, God, oh, that's really nice. Yeah, it doesn't sound much like the cows, I can tell you that much. It's a... Uh... But it's he plays slide on a bass. He right? does play slide on a bass. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's such a different yeah. style that it wouldn't like immediately jump. Right, right. Me, but yeah, I don't know much about him. But again, I I thought that was awfully nice. That's very cool. Yeah. He didn't have to say that. You know, he didn't yeah. have to do that. <clears throat> so you're so cows are coming together. 
does is Shannon kind of like the uh, the loose cannon from the from the get go, or does that sort of develop as a thing? You know what he he and I were really tight. It didn't seem particularly. I thought he was super funny, and that was about it. He he wasn't any more of a loose cannon than the rest of us. Let's just say that. Gotcha. Okay. It was like it was like criminal clowns <laughs> traveling around. <laughs> so. Uh... Uh, maybe, maybe that's where some people were getting the bottle servers vibes off. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess so. I can see that. And it was, uh, you know, it was like we would joke about. It. I was like, what kind of people would we even be if we didn't have this outlet? You know, it wouldn't be yeah. good. Right. So this is better. But it was a it was a hard situation too. We were pretty volatile group and with each other too. And it was, but general, I don't know. We all really liked what we were doing, and I have no bad feelings about it. I still really like that stuff. Yeah, yeah, no, I think, and I think it holds up, and I think, oh, I think it's telling that there's kind of a new generation of, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, kids that have have found it through the internet and are yeah, that's funny. into it. I think that's really cool. I've had pretty just two weeks ago some looked young to me. I don't know, twenties Hispanic guy. He and his buddies came up and said, "Were you in Tomahawk and the Cows?" <laughs> it was like the cows. Yes, I was. Isn't that, I mean, they looked young to me. I yeah, was yeah. surprised. Well, and it's it's interesting, too, that you have, you know, those <laughs> records are kind of stuck in amber. They're like of a time, but somebody new discovers them every year. So it's kind of like, you know, and, and of course, maybe not the same level as someone just discovering, you know, a junkyard by the birthday party or like the minor threat no, no. or whatever, but still. Right, right, right. It's there are new people every year that find this and connect with it as if it was happening right then, and I think that's actually probably the best untold story of how the internet has changed things now. Is it? I think that yeah, people bitch about the oh, it's not like the old days of finding music. And to me, it's like yeah, you're right. It's way easier now. It's better. It's great. <laughs> right. It's a fucking thousand times better. I've heard so much music I would have never have heard if it wasn't for the internet. But now that right now that we're talking about people discovering the cows, it makes me feel good because I I think I hope that, that even once in a while if I check in and listen to it. I go fuck. That's really, that's really a mess. I gotta. That's a good, good noisy mess. I gotta, I gotta do that again. <laughs> Figure out your uh, steal from yourself from when you were twenty five. Yeah, <laughs> no more, no more of this cleaned up Beatles shit I've been doing. <laughs> yeah, because hepatitis is definitely. You know, we get it. You're going for the adult contemporary market. We understand. <laughs> but yeah, my dream is, and uh, maybe it's true, is that uh, very small level like you say like maybe it's like how alice cooper was for me it's like oh it's just exactly what someone needs to hear at that moment you know it's like oh i didn't know you could do that i think there's something to that because it does seem like there's a whole new generation of bands that are coming from that spot and to them a band like the cows or like carp or whatever are you know, they have this idea in their minds that, okay, those bands were just as important as, like, I don't know, Smashing Pumpkins or something. Like, some, you know, where it's like, no, well, they're, they're, not, they're, they're not certainly the better. <laughs> yeah, they're definitely better bands, but like, yeah, yeah. You, I know you well, into this, good. and I was into it, but I'm a freak. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. It's true. And that's what I kind of what I was getting at about the studios. It's sort of irrelevant. It's kind of an old guy thing, but like, well, they don't know just how horrid of people they were, and that put the music in a certain 
framework, but I don't think that's really, they don't need to know that. I liked knowing it. <laughs> I was glad that I was in pretty serious danger when I went to one of his shows, but <laughs> right. everyone else doesn't really need to know that, you know? Well, and it's, it's interesting to see the music recontextualized and, you know, it, it's something where it can mean something different to someone, you know, a 20 year old finding it now is going to, it's going to connect differently than, you know, a 20 year old, like when it came out as well. I mean, that's, that's and that whole, that whole environment, I've heard Buzz say it too. That's a nice thing about playing smaller clubs is there is that X element that you don't really know what's going to happen right. and it could go south pretty fast. And that's, that's fun too. And, uh, that yeah. part of it was that, that part was great, you know, for us. I, I don't know. It's all. It could have been worse. Thing, worse things could have happened, but they didn't. You know, there was a guy. I remember. I remember there was a guy. Where the fuck? Cape Fear. That's a real place. Did you know that? I, you know, I actually we were, did know that. But I only I found that out a year and a half ago, and I was like, "You're kidding me!" Like the movie, like the Robert Duvall movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay, where is it? Where is it? Virginia or somewhere? It's out on the East yeah, Coast somewhere. Yeah, East Coast, like, uh, like I want to say like Southerly East Coast, but I might be talking about Yeah, yeah. Place. Maybe Virginia or something. But we played a show there, and there was weird scuffle, and I was all, something weird happened. I don't really remember what it was, and I was feeling uh, discombobulated, and I turned around, and there was a guy from the audience bent over in front of me. I booted him in the ass. He went flying off the stage. But what I hadn't entered, hadn't thought about in the equation was that it was a cement floor, and then we were pl- we were playing, and then all of a sudden the power went off. I said, "What happened?" They said, "That guy he booted off the stage; his head split open." And I looked, I was like, "Oh fuck!" There was a big pool of blood, and he was gone. And we were we were on tour with Hammerhead, who insisted they could hear his head hit the floor while we were playing, oh. which I doubt. But uh, so anyway, I was. I was really, this is where things could go wrong, but they still didn't, you know? And then I was like really worried for a week or two. We were on tour, I was like waiting to hear a call, you know? From yeah, someone, like a lawyer or a cop or something, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then nothing ever happened. And a year later, I was, we were out there somewhere else, not the same town, but the same area. And I'd gone to a show to see Cop Shoot Cop. I don't know why I remember these things. And there was no one there and this guy came up to me and goes hey you remember me and i was like no sorry and he goes oh you you booted me off the stage last year and i was like oh shit how are you and he goes well i was in a coma for a week <laughs> and i thought oh. i was like i was like oh and i was like here it comes oh. and then he goes i was he goes i was really being an asshole i was on acid can i buy you a beer uh, okay. wow sure well, okay, I'll let you. Yeah, so that's, I mean, it, it could have been a lot worse. It could have gone a, 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 at least a dozen different ways that would have been far less. Right, right. He didn't die, so that's good. Wow, wow. So, is that, I mean... So that kind of shit, that's part of the, the thing that, like, I like that idea that shit could go wrong. Yeah. But I wasn't super stoked when <laughs> right. I got put in a coma. Yeah, yeah, that's... that's it wasn't like, oh, that's great. <laughs> but it's an interesting story, and the guy was really nice about it. Well, maybe that was like a uh, an epiphany for him that he should. Yeah, he's probably a Christian now and feels way better. He's probably selling insurance or something. <laughs> yeah, maybe it totally straightened out his life. You know, maybe be. that was his rock bottom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. You never I know. Helped him that way. You never yeah. know. So that stuff happened, but it was. I like that idea. They well. This could go wrong, but it didn't. Buzz has a funny story about seeing Iggy Pop pulling an entire giant speaker tower off a stage onto the audience. You know, oh. like, 
that's uh that's exciting yeah that's, that's a, you don't quite know what's going to happen there in the uh in the truest sense of the truth his punchline to that story is he thought wow this punk rock stuff's really cool yeah i think it's got a future <laughs> yeah 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 right so okay so when you're telling the stories of like the uh, and i don't want to spend the entire time here just talking about cows but it's interesting to me that yeah yeah you're you're kind of like a, a interesting group of uh, of as self described creeps that are, are you know yeah. do, doing their thing, but you right. managed to get out there. You got into the world. Yeah, we toured a lot. Yeah how did how did you how did you manage to pull that off? I mean, we were just very motivated creeps, or like what was is it all Tom? Like, yeah, what? we liked we liked doing it a lot, and after a while, we started getting some money. You know, we yeah. did okay. And there were certain towns that right away were good for us. Uh, both San Francisco and New York City embraced us immediately. Big crowds was the first time we went, and they never stopped. So that you know that gives you a little hope. And then once you know guys like us, it didn't take a lot of money for us to feel like we were getting somewhere. You know? Right, right. You're like, what, are going to so, pay us for this? Whoa. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It wasn't like we had anything else to do. Let's put it that way. You know, <laughs> if it, it was going to cost me a job and an apartment and a girlfriend, eh. That's worth it. So, yeah, so obviously it's that's connected with people. I mean, I even saw like, you know, one of the earlier shows I saw when I moved to the Bay Area was it was a cow show and I I just remember really? like just like, wow, I can't I can't really yeah, I, I let's put it this what way. Was that? I I started oh, it was uh uh sometime in the 90s. What, early 90s. What club? I don't remember. Uh, it was like Great was, American, maybe. It might have been Great American. I just remember that uh, I had sort of had was like I remember saying, "Oh, these oh, the cows, huh? This band better be good." And then like you guys just All did right. your thing, and I was like, "Okay, well there you go. That band kicks ass." <laughs> oh, cool. When we started with that name, it, it, it must have been like the Great American because I, I was not I, I was yeah. not cool enough at a young age to see you any place smaller than that. So. Yeah, well, we like I said, we got embraced really quickly there, and we played there a lot. Well, we so did well, you San know. San Francisco used to be a very welcoming place for weird music, so it's hard to. Oh, and, and Texas too. Texas yep. was there for us <laughs> right from the start. And yeah. that's something that you know that just that just does change over time. But it's interesting because I the first time I saw Hepatitis was at the Stud, the gay bar in San Francisco. Oh, you were at that show? I was. Me and not many other people. <laughs> did you have? Did we have a drummer? You did not. You had no, you had the drum machine at that point. No, we never had a drum machine. It was for for a while. It was just bass and guitar. No, I think we had a drummer at that point. I think our, our first drummer. Or was Adam it? Or maybe was it? Was it a weird state? I remember just being like very confused by. It. Well, first of all, that a show was happening at the Stud period, uh, but because it was not just for for the listeners that are not Bay Area people, the Stud is not a place that has shows all the time. So it was kind of like a weird like no. oh, this should be good. This should be interesting. Uh, yeah, it was totally dead, but we were glad to be there. It was a cool place. I might be remembering this wrong, but I, I thought I thought there was a uh, yeah. Was it like there was something kind of like you didn't have it the way it was later? I mean, obviously with Paul and Sterling, no, it's, it's a rock unit, right? But yeah, we've gone through. I enjoyed it. I just thought it was. I was just like, oh, all right, that was cool and strange. All right, like I didn't like uh, think originally it was, it was just yeah. me and Sterling. What'd you say? Uh, yeah, so that's that's. I want to say it was just you two guys, but I don't. Could be. It's been so I long. I think I, we had a drummer. Oh. 
You weren't. Let's just say you weren't blown away. I, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. <laughs> and my friend Dan was like, "Wow, you went to that." And then, and I was like, "Yeah, it was. It was cool." I couldn't get anyone else to come out to me. So they're like, "What show? The stud? No." Uh, but a friend of mine's band from uh, Madison was also in the bill, uh, Screaming Sinsen and the Ponds, which who I knew from touring. Oh, I don't remember. Sorry. Ah, they're, they're fine. They're, they're, um, let's just go ahead and put it this way. They were a different vibe than you guys, but I enjoyed, I was like the one person that seemed to enjoy both bands. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah. We've, I mean, we've, we've been doing this. I've been in this band longer than any other band, I think, now that I think about it. And, you know, it's just definitely been an evolution with me and, Sterling started. He didn't really even play guitar. We just did it because it was fun, and he was enthusiastic and has no ego. And we just started doing it. So yeah, it's definitely, he's, he's an interesting changed over player. the years. Like he's he's like he's at great. first I was trying to figure. I was like, what's this guy's vibe? Like I can't figure. Out, like I like what he's doing, but I can't really figure out where he's coming from. And then I don't. I'm no closer to figuring it out now than I was my first song. But well, much way. like the cows, yeah, much like the cows, he just did it on his own and. He's really egoless, which I love. Like the first show we'd ever played, and I don't know if he'd ever played a show. It was just the two of us. And I said, let's open with this song that he sang that was like five minutes long. Mm. So that, And he just did it. No arguing, nothing. Wow, he wasn't like, like freaked out about it or anything? If he was, he didn't show it. Wow, all right. And that stuff was pretty weird when it was just the two of us. But it was fun, you know. But anyway, my point is he just, we just, it's changed a lot over the years, and I get that uh, it wasn't for everyone. Well, no, I mean... It was pretty abstract at first. Uh, it was very abstract, and, uh, and I enjoyed it. It's just the, the, the vibe between you and the other band was so different that, again, I know I enjoyed it. I can't necessarily say anyone else did. It was sort of like a song. That was always a, that was always a thing with the cows. We get put with it, and I liked that because what started yeah. to happen... What started to happen is they started to put us with bands that sounded like Jesus Lizard, which was yep. pretty tiresome. Yep. Because like we don't, this isn't good for anyone. We don't need this. You it's, know? it's like it sounds like the Jesus Lizard, but it sounds like one thing that the Jesus Lizard does, and it's like semi competently. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not really dissing the band or Jesus Lizard. It's just it wasn't a good idea to pair us with stuff like well, that. Well, no, it just it, when it happens night after night after the night. year. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's it, it. Gets tiresome after a while for everybody, really. I mean, I'd rather have some polka band or you know something like that. When Melvin's we toured with um, Folk Implosion, I thought that was great because oh, yeah. he had his own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had his own fans, and they came. You know, a lot of people came to see him. Uh, our fans were respectful and patient, and I I don't know if their fans all left or stayed, but there, it was great. It was such a different thing. It's interesting <clears throat> that you don't see that as much with a lot of bands. Like they kind of yeah. try to go for like sound alikes or whatever. I don't understand the mindset behind that. I mean, probably trying to guess what the audience wants, which never works. I mean, I'd rather just play with bands that are good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, call me crazy, but like, yeah, yeah. I think you'd go crazy trying to like gamify uh, the, the situation. Right. So, yeah, it's, I don't know. For me personally, I just as an audience member, I would rather hear a mix. Well, that's one of the reasons I like that lung band so much. Like we play with them a lot, and like no band sounds like them. It's like cello and drums, and you know, in a really powerful. Oh right, right. Band. We played we played with them on Skid Row. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> it was fun, you know. It was fun, and like that show we did with you guys, and there was a, those bands were all pretty different. I thought that was a great bill. Oh yeah, at uh, world famous Doll Hut with the weirdest that weird that weird ass stage. Yeah, 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. That was good. Yeah, no, I agree. All the bands were awesome. Yeah, I like that lineup a lot. Nobody sounded like each other, but at all, everyone was kind of down for it. Like, it's, it's, yeah. I like that kind of That doesn't happen nearly enough. In fact, I'll, I mean, Christ on that tour, I think there's maybe like, th- was like maybe two or three shows like that. Otherwise, like, all right, I know why you stuck us with this band. Like, you think that it sounds like that. But, okay. Well, see, that's the problem, too, when, when it's, when you're a small band like us guys, is like, you don't get to pick. We can't afford to bring someone. So, right. It's nice when you can bring someone, then you know what you're in for. And although it wasn't all like when Cows did tours with Hammerhead, that wasn't there wasn't some giant dichotomy there, and that was fun. They're that was sort of cause. over the top. Yeah, they're, they're sort of like if yeah, you like one, was, you'll probably like the other, and that that's that's. It nice. was sort of an over over the top assault, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. Well, and it's like you know the the vibes aren't exactly the same, but they're certainly close enough that uh, you know they, they would they would be in the same unit if they were a fighting troop. I guess we did that. I guess we did that a lot. Now that I think about it, we toured with Unsane with the Melvins and other guys. Although we toured with Chokeboy, that was those were pretty different. We toured with um, Supernova, and those two bands were pretty different. Yeah, Chokeboy's a band that I feel like has been lost to history. Like you'll talk oh, about sure. it, and people yeah, say, "Who? What?" <laughs> they have a really mixed reaction. Like I thought they were great, but yeah. I know there are people who don't like it. Same with I uh, Love Six Six Six. We toured with them in Europe. Oh my god! They were, wow. Yeah, I forgot all about them. <laughs> they were so good, but they were so weird. It's kind of like what Hazelmeyer was saying. They were really weird guys. <laughs> so you didn't really know what you're in for for the show. It could be just totally abstract for 45 minutes. You would just never know. Right. Which I mean, depending on what you're looking for. For me, I I think that's fantastic. But not everyone is uh, sure looking for that too. It's not going to sell an audience. <laughs> it's not going to sell an audience, and I don't know that those guys. I don't know if those guys are really capable of doing things differently than they did. They're really weird guys. They're not doing it. They're not trying to show off or be difficult. It's just who That's they are. just how they are. Yeah. Yeah. I know when they were recording, they were recording Minneapolis, that first record. And if I remember correctly, the singer fired himself. <laughs> fired. <laughs> what? What is, what is that? Yeah, what is Dave, that Dave Unger. That's his name. Dave Unger fired himself while they were recording. I believe he rehired himself also. Oh, that's, that's very magnanimous of him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so these are the kind of people, that's what was cool about Amrap. It really was a, a bucket of nuts, you know. It was, these, were, these weren't gestures. You had the God these, bullies these in people. there, which is just like, what, what sounds like yeah. God bullies? Like literally nothing. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're really good friends. We toured with them everywhere. Them and Hammer had both bands. We, we toured with them everywhere. It was pretty great. So, so fast forward a little bit. Uh, you know, there was the the record that Buzz produced, right? The cows, the, yeah. the cows, like near the near near the end. Mm-hmm. What what happened that broke up the cows? Like how how did the cows end? It all happened at like right after that recording. Buzz called me like a week later and asked me if I wanted to playing the Melvins because we got along really well in the studio where, and he was a, he was a pretty big fan of the cows all along. Yeah. Big booster. Yeah. And so that was, bre- that was brewing. And I was like, you know, I agreed. I, I got to say, I agreed really reluctantly only because I didn't think I was up for the up for, I didn't think I would be good enough to be in the band. Mm. And then, um, like skill level. You mean? Then I moved, how, do you, how do you mean? How do you mean that? I just didn't think I could play well enough to play their songs. Hmm. Okay. And, but I was excited. I was like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. And then um, this all happened at once. And then 
I moved to New York and Shannon moved to New York. I don't remember how close or far apart we moved there. <laughs> and then Thor, Thor got hold of us and said, I, I don't, I don't want to do it anymore. I just, I can't get in the van anymore. He couldn't do it. And then that was, it was pretty amicable. We were just like, well, is there anything we can do to make you change your mind? No. And it's like, okay. And it just kind of unraveled because we had talked about doing it. Oh, and then Buzz even said, look, Kaus can tour with us and I'll play guitar. Right. Right. Which is, <laughs> which, which I think would have been cool, but I, I, Shannon wasn't into it. He didn't want to do it. So that I mean, was, it would have been amazing. Kind of it would have been different, obviously, but it would have been amazing. Uh, it would have been great, but you know, just no one was up for it. And, and to me, it felt, it was a little bit heartbreaking just because you're so used to doing it for, you know, we did it, did it for 10 years or whatever it was. Yeah. And, but at the same time, I was like, I got this great gig lined up and I was, we were getting pretty burned out on each other's personalities a little bit too, I think. Well, you've been doing it for a while and you'd, you know. Yeah, yeah. Been, I'm, I'm not dissing anyone. We were, <laughs> we were very abrasive, shrill people. So I'm, I'm not, I'm certainly not excluding myself from this. Sure, sure. Harsh I'm not saying assessment. that. I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Those guys were not the dicks. We all were, you know. But so it, it was, just kind of went out with a whimper. So Thor's just sort of like, ah, I'm not feeling going on the road anymore. Like, kind of like, just like, yeah. Uh, that was where it started, and the rest of it were just kind of like, yeah. We didn't even we didn't try to fill his spot or anything. We just kind of, yeah, just fucked it off. Yeah, because we were not so active. There was never. I mean, again, it's different then than it was now like you know there's no like big like press release or anything no big announcement or oh no, no man oh no nothing at all no we didn't say anything it was just anyone. it was just like confusing it was like wait what what's 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 going there they're, yeah. when they break up what happened <laughs> yeah yeah so i was in new york and then we were doing this oh you know what happened i remember when the cows toured all the way across the country and we were going to la but by the time we were there, I was like, I, I can't do this Melvin thing. I'm not sure why exactly. I was just having a lot of self-doubt, I think. Mm. And um, so I was, I was going to tell Buzz that I wasn't into it. And we pulled up in front of his house. He opened, slides open the van door, looks at me, goes, hi, you still going to do it? <laughs> and I said, I said uh, let's go have lunch. So we went and had a burrito, and I tried to back out of it, and he just wouldn't let me. He's very persuasive. Well, what I would imagine, and I'm not trying to speak for him, but he, he he knows what you did, and it's not like he wanted you to play like someone else. He wanted like the Kevin. No, that's the great right? thing about that's the great thing about him is he like for all the bass players that they have, he doesn't expect them to do things that aren't that are unnatural to their style, which right. is really interesting. You know, Far from it, so he like wants and, to kind of like absorb it like the Borg or the. <laughs> He lets it, yeah, he lets it, he lets it work, and that was a great relief to me. And the one thing that really pushed me over the edge, I, in my my memory, you know, who knows if this is accurate, but he had sent me cassettes of roughs of like uh, of the bootlicker and of the maggot. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah, because you did that trilogy, right? Right, of course, yeah. Right in New York, and uh, man, the bootlicker, I really wanted to be on that record, so that that kind of held me in check a little bit. Yeah, because good songs, kind of cool, weird vibes, very unique sounding, like kind of like. I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. I was like, "Fuck, I really want to be on that record." Like anyone that was looking for, like you know, Bullhead Part Two or whatever, was like, "Yeah, that's that's not what this is, man." <laughs> no, no, they were, and you know, I learned so much from them. They're such hard workers and so yes, again, egoless and 
they embraced a lot of stuff that we resisted as the cows, just mostly because it just made us so nervous. We were pretty paranoid people. And, you know, like they embraced fans' ideas and they let things are pretty liquid in the studio. They let things happen and just all of that, just all of it, how to work hard and, and not be a dick about it. And this, it was a really, I learned a lot about from them on how to make things work, basically. So, so did you guys, so the MAGA, the bootlicker, Crybaby, or the, the trilogy, how much of that did you guys record at once? All of it. You, the whole when thing? I, okay. When I, I went out to L.A., we did um, Electro Retard. Oh, right. And, I uh, forgot all about that one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the first song I recorded with those guys was Youth of America. Oh, which I'd never heard. <laughs> you did. You didn't know the Wipers. I toured with them, and I still didn't know them. <laughs> Holy crap! That's amazing. So, what did you, I mean? What do you think when you first heard it? You're like, oh, that's an okay tune. If, it, if it's not inside my head, I don't notice it. Okay. Okay. That's right. just how, that's just how it works that's, for that's me. Fair. I saw online. So I saw online someone told a story just like two days ago that I've heard this story twice with different people that I went up to someone in the other band and asked them if I could borrow a pick because I had left my pants in another city. <laughs> that's, that's how things were running for me back that, then. That was where it was at, huh? <laughs> yeah. And the sound guy for Melvin's last year when we went out said I had also borrowed a pick from him on tour. Just one. Just the one, huh? Just the one. So that's how I. Operate. I mean, the only reason I'm making a, a, big, a big stink of it is that Youth of America is almost like you know whatever the inversion of knowing where you were on nine oh. eleven is like where were you when you first heard this song? You know. Oh, I know. <laughs> I, the first time I heard it was when I learned it to play it. I don't think they played it before. I don't think I heard the their version until later. I only heard our version. And I didn't do much on that one. I pretty much pedaled and stayed straight in it because I was just getting through it. But that record was really fun because it was. It was really weird. We did some really weird stuff that I liked a lot. We covered a cow song. Yep. And it was all good. And then I don't remember how much later we did the trilogy. It couldn't have been very long, but we did that all in one. I can't remember how close together they were. I know I, the maggot, I think we recorded that in one day and I didn't know a lot of it. And then. Like you, you didn't have parts did. for the songs. You didn't know. You didn't know the songs. Or what? I didn't really know the songs. I knew some of them. Okay. And we rehearsed. We rehearsed. You know, they rehearsed the shit out of me at first, and then, yeah, it was all. I can't remember exactly. My memory was bootlicker was a day, and and uh, for <laughs> sure, I'm pretty sure maggot was a one day affair. And then we went to Europe or some weird shit. I can't remember. It's all a haze. I'd never. My first tour with them. I'd never even seen the amp I was going to play through. So we walked on stage, on stage for Ozfest. I walked on stage and they go, "There's your rig." And I looked at it and said, "All right." And I turned it on and we played. They, my first, go. my first tour, yeah, it was totally baptism by fire. My first tour with them was Ozfest. All right, that's that's okay. Start off small, you know. You can, you can work up. Yeah, you know. <laughs> we had a lot of fun, you know. We had a lot of fun, and I'd known those guys a really long time. Well, sure, anyway. and that helps a lot too. I mean, you, you at least yeah, yeah. have that common cause, right? Yeah, but yeah, that's what I always said back when the cows were like. I feel like the the Melvins are the West Coast, and we're the East Coast, and we're the two bands that everyone thinks is a big handful, and we think we're just fine. Right. Man, so okay, so you, so you, you go through kind of white knuckle your way through 
doing doing the, these Ozfest shows. I assume at some point it starts being more comfortable. You start kind of. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the biggest shock was that amp just going on stage, going, I don't even know how this thing works. It was it was in a, it wasn't discussed it, beforehand. This was just the thing. No, I don't remember it coming up really. And and um, yeah, why would you think about something like it, that? Yeah, it was in the rolling. It was in one of those rolling cases, which I'd never had one of those. Okay, it was it was it was two power amps and a tuner, and I think there might have been a preamp. You know, yeah, when I brought my bass, it wouldn't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. And uh, I had my bass; it wouldn't stay in tune. Is that the Longhorn? We got through it. The, 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 uh, they had there? No, no, this was before Longhorn. It was this beat-up G&L that I still have, and it's still my favorite bass. It's been fixed since then. But uh, Yeah, so we just got through it. And then those guys tour a lot. You know, the cows already did, but they toured even more. <clears throat> so we just toured and recorded, basically, all the time. And then, I, and then when I was in Tomahawk, I was really touring all the time. And I remember coming home from a long Tomahawk tour, and having dinner with everyone, including the Melvins, that night. And then Buzz saying to me, kind of checking it out, saying, oh, I was kind of thinking we'd go in the studio tomorrow morning. And I said, okay, cool. And he's like, oh, cool, because he thought maybe I'd bitch. So it was it was basically just nonstop. And was that, a, was it Hostile Ambient Takeover? Was it was, was that one? Oh, shit, I don't know. Yeah, that seems right. <laughs> I did a lot. I did like eleven records with those. Well, guys. you were, I and and I don't want you to gloss right over it. I, I don't necessarily want to spend like a ton of time on it, but like Tomahawk was like was a thing. And for those not aware of the, the oh, personnel, yeah. you had the former guest of the show, friend of the show, Dwayne Denison on guitar, amazing. Right. Uh, John Stanier on drums, and um, right, from Helmet, and and the guy from Helmet, and now Battles, and Mr. Mike Patton on vocals, and kind of like keyboard sampler thinger. That was that was also, um, what were they called? Mr. Bungle um, rehearsed in the same building as us on a different floor. I'd never met any. I didn't, I didn't even know there was such a thing as Mr. Bungle. And Buzz goes, oh, let's go meet those guys. And we went down there, and I knew who Patton was. Right. You know, obviously, they had their big MTV hits and stuff. Yeah. But everyone was super nice, and, and it was comfortable. I was like, oh, that's cool. It's always fun to meet famous people, I think, and especially if they're nice. Everyone was cool and nice, and I don't know. I don't remember. I don't feel like we hung out that much or anything. And then I remember we were standing in front of our space, the Melvins, and we looked down way down the hall, and Patton's walking towards us. And Buzz goes, "Oh yeah, I forgot. Um, Patton wants you to be in some band with him." I'm like what? And, he, <laughs> and he was like, "That's how we brought him." He was up, like huh? twenty five feet. Away. Yeah, he forgot. And was, he was like twenty five feet away from me. And then he came up, and I was like, "I guess I don't know what what the hell is it, you know." And then we then that thing started too. So was it something where they were like, it was is it more of an idea, or there were songs, or like how how did Tomahawk come to pass? Well, but somehow I don't know how they did, somehow Dennison and Patton came up with the idea. I don't know how they knew each other or anything. And um, and I think uh, I think I think Dwayne brought. Tanier to the table and Patton brought me to the table. You know, let's get these guys. Once you were and, informed uh, so, that you were doing it, right? <laughs> right, yeah. Well, like like 20 seconds before he asked me. And then, uh, yeah, Dennison had written it all. It was all on cassette. Well, and, and he's I, definitely like, he's I, coming from like a more uh, composing stuff, like very comfortable with that side of things. Oh, yeah. And if I remember yeah, correctly, and he's really, um, and, and it was a while ago, if I remember correctly, part of it was like, oh, it was a challenge 
for him, or not challenge, but like, you know, kind of an opportunity because as much as we all love David Yao, David Yao has a, again, friend of the show, has a very specific thing that he does, and Mike Patton does a yeah. kind of different thing, right? So it's an opportunity. They sing, they sing different notes from each other. Right. <laughs> Believe it or not, they're different guys that have a different singing style. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, he had, I can't remember if the cassettes, I think they were just guitar. I don't remember if they were singing or anything. I can't remember. I just remember rehearsing to the cassettes. And then um, went out, flew out to Nashville to record. And then uh, it was just me and Stanier and Dwayne. And then a few days later, Patton showed up. So, well, I mean, and I think, have you ever recorded I think the like that before? Of that, that band, I, pardon? I, had you ever recorded like that before where you sort of like kind of knew the people, but, you know, just like, all right, no. let's do this. No, not at all. Pat was really the only one I knew. Did it feel comfortable, or was it something where it kind of like no, no, okay, no, it wasn't comfortable at all. It was horrible. <laughs> I fucking hated it. <laughs> I mean, it's I'm, I'm I not trying to press the issue. About it's, it. it's you know, it's a lot of people that are curious about that kind of thing. They've never been in that position. So. Oh no, no, you're, it doesn't bother me at all to talk about. It. No, it was a horrible experience. I hated it. The, and those guys are like, uh, well, it's just such a. <laughs> I wasn't appropriate, you know. Uh, I think what I think, that's a speculation, I think Patton was bringing me there because he knew I could do all these really wild, crazy things, you know. But Not I like don't a traditional think... bass player necessarily, but kind right, of like right. the more... Okay, sure, sure. And and Dwayne is really rigid and specific. I, okay, I'm and glad like, you said like, that because I would not... You guys have very different modus operandi and very different styles, but that's something that... Right. That was a surprise to me. It did... It, it seemed like kind of like a uh, oil and water situation, but maybe not so much. Uh, and uh, Stanier's like that too. You know, he's super precise and clockwork, and 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 so and I'm not. You know, that's just I I can't even do that stuff. And I think what happened was I think what I am good at didn't get used. You know, that wasn't what Dennison was interested in. Mm, and the parts and the parts that I r- recorded. If I even deviated a little bit, he, he really knows, you know, exactly what's going on. He would notice right away, what's that note? You know, so there wasn't, I didn't have a lot of input. Once in a while, sometimes. Gotcha. Now, was and that, that just was, for that first not, record? Was that like where you're kind of getting so there's whole No, that was together? both records. Hmm. That was both records. And I'm not, I'm not complaining. That was a great opportunity for me. I'm sure. super glad I did it. I got to see and play places I'd never. I got to know guys I didn't know, but it was it was a it was difficult and uncomfortable. Like what live wise was it still the case or like was it still uncom- was it still uncomfortable like from a live situation? That was better because we did um, we always included in the set list a couple improv moments. Oh sure, yeah, yeah. And everybody everybody was good at that, and that was one of the funnest stuff for me. Because then I could just do whatever I wanted, but they, yeah, it was always a little stiff and uncomfortable for me. It's just not my, it's not my strength. I'm not a great technical player. So, the ba- the band is touring and doing some like bigger tours. It, you know, I, I can't, toured a lot. Yeah, I can't remember. Well, first time I saw you, I think was with Melvin's. You're doing double duty. Yeah, that was. That was hard, but, I, you know, it was great, too. But we did that in the U.S. and in Europe. And by, I was getting pretty exhausted and uh, whatever. 
it was I was really lucky, and uh, that's that's really it. I mean, I was super lucky. I don't. I never felt really at home with Tomahawk, but I like the. I like what happened. I like some of the songs. I love some. I didn't care for, but that's probably always true with every band. But it was never comfortable, and it was never an easy fit for me. But that being said, I also had a lot of my own problems. My plate was full. <laughs> my my brain was just going, and. Right. and uh, I had my own demons to deal with, so I'm sure that didn't help. Yeah. So, and, and again, during during that time, well, and there's, I've actually told the story a few times on the show, so I'm gonna I'm gonna tell it now. But there was, uh, and I'm, I guess it had to have been around the Hostel Ambient Takeover tour. Uh-huh. But there was, it was one of the sets you played with Melvin's, and you were just playing as, you know, it was all the rippers. It's like ripper after ripper after ripper, heart rocker, rocker, uh-huh. awesome. And there was a bunch of, uh, if they didn't have backwards baseball hats, the backwards baseball hats were implied that were uh, <laughs> moshing, doing as, oh, sure. as, as dudes do. And they were hopping. Yeah, yeah. They, 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 they were bumming out a lot of people that were just there to like see the music. But mm-hmm. the way the set was written, it just kind of wound up, wound up, wound up. But I... <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll remember to this day, you guys launched into, uh, I want to say it was Anti-Vermin Seed, but it's something where it's just this ponderous song that just takes forever for anything to happen in a good way. Right. But it was so yeah. great because seeing these backwards baseball hat guys just get so bummed, just like watch their faces get like more and more crestfallen as they realize they yeah, were yeah, yeah. It was the... For me, yeah. that was the like, okay, Melvin's are a punk rock band for sure. Like, let there be no. Yeah, yeah. Not that that was like the one moment, but I mean. No, like, I, I get it. It was really cool. It was cool for us people that were not the backwards baseball hats of the, uh, yeah, of yeah. the audience. That song had, this song had like a five, ten minute intro of me just screaming on the slide bass yep. really high. Just forever. It could seem it, yeah. It went on as long as a like that part went on for as long as a song would go on, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I just and I remember it was just screaming loud. It was really fun. I remember we did that in San Francisco, and Pat uh, Trevor told me that Patton, while I was playing that, called him on the phone and and uh, held the phone up and said, "This is Kevin playing the bass." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a perfect opportunity, right? <laughs> I, what I also remember, it might have even been that same show that you got, you had the light box. Do you remember that light box? Thing? Oh yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, for, for thank those, you. Yeah, exactly. So 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 for those that weren't in the know, there was no talking between between songs, which is you know fairly typical for Melvin stuff now. But at the time, it was like oh no talking, interesting. But there's just the light box that says Melvin's on top of the on the bass amp, if I recall. Right, right. And then right. into the set. Guys, just stand there. Everyone's, yeah, yeah, awesome, cheering, yeah, yeah, yeah. Play more, play mm-hmm. more. And then you just go over, you turn the light box around, and it just says thank you. And you start playing right, Youth right. of America. And I thought that was one of the coolest yeah. things I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, that was great. That was because we that was because we didn't want to leave and do an encore. No, it was awesome so because figured, I fucking hate encores. And I hate the whole, like, yeah. oh, Christ, where are they? Okay, all right, how long Feels have you got the yeah, yeah. It's like, all right, come yeah, on, yeah. do it. Do the thing, please. Uh, in, the cows we used to say, in the cows, we used to say that what was uncomfortable about an encore is it felt like you would just date rape somebody and then you went back for a kiss. <laughs> Jesus Christ. 
<laughs> there you go. It just doesn't feel right. It just doesn't. There's yeah. something about it that it, yeah, it doesn't doesn't. Uh, it feels disingenuous. It feels disingenuous. Exactly. So I thought that I thought that was. <clears throat> One of the coolest iterations that I've ever seen. So there's actually two moments on that one show that I followed. Oh, that was the it. same show. Yeah, same. Sh- I believe it was. Uh, it would make sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think that's. I mean, who knows? I don't yeah, that shit. I, I'm actually pretty good, but I'm going to say I think it probably was the same show. Anyway, so point of fact, that's your time with the Melvins. You got Tom Mock going on. You feel like a little bit of a fish out of water with that it's uh um, yeah i don't i don't want that to sound too negative i mean i felt super lucky and i, I had a lot of fun it was just it was never like just never felt perfect i mean i think oh, it's been a while but i think Dwayne said as much himself like it was sort of like you had all these great players and you know the, these songs that were cool but it never quite coalesced into something where everyone felt like super duper comfortable necessarily but it wasn't right, right. either yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to put a bad spin on it because I'm. I'm totally uh, thankful and grateful that I got to be in that band. But it was. It was difficult, and not for any specific reason. You know, like on stage, sometimes you. You know, when things feel right, you trust the music, and you don't even have to worry about it. Right. You just ride it. You know, you just ride it like a horse. And I never got to that point with them. Do you ever? Uh, you, you ever talk to those guys at all now? Uh, Patton once in a while. He'll text me out of the blue some weird wrestling <laughs> porno or something. <laughs> that sounds like my Patton, yeah. <laughs> but I haven't talked to the other guys. I haven't talked to the other guys at all. That I didn't even really... <laughs> I didn't officially... I was never officially fired. I heard they were recording a new record. And I called uh, Ibicat. And I said, they're recording a record? And then he fussed and said, they didn't tell you? I mean, I think he was just... I think he was trying to soften it. <laughs> I don't know. Right. Oh, I'm going to call them. It was like, and I was just like, don't call them. I just didn't know about it. And that's the last I ever talked to Dwayne or Stanier. Hmm. Well, and to be, to be fair to everyone, I, I had, this was after I'd been fired by the Melvins. So I can imagine them just going, I don't want to deal with that. Yeah. So. Which I get, but I don't know. They never told me. And I've talked to Pat lots of times since, and I've just never brought it. Just never, yeah. I mean, it seems like that wouldn't be something that really would come up extemporaneously either, right? I mean, <laughs> I don't, see, yeah, I don't see any great reason to chase that other than to create bad feelings or something. Let's just say I imagine I probably had it coming, but I wish they would have told me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, right, yeah. happen. I just, mean, just at least, at least. Have believe that. it or not, yeah. you may have noticed. You may have noticed musicians are not the most stable bunch of people. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, yeah I may have noticed that. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah. I mean, I'm a lot happier that I was in that band and it ended shitty than I would be if I was never in that band. Does that make sense? No, absolutely. So, so okay. So then, I'm really glad I was in that band. Yeah, you 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 spent your time with it with that band. You guys did what you were, you were doing, and like there was you, you yeah. made some cool stuff. Had some had some good times, right? So fast forward, you know you're you're no longer doing Tomahawk. You're no longer with the Melvins. How do you how you get to hepatitis from there? I didn't. I did. I was in. I was in a lot. I was in a psychic war, so I was nowhere near playing with anyone. 
at all. I didn't pick up a bass for like three years, and it wasn't like, oh, I'm not playing anymore. I just didn't think of it. It didn't occur to me to do it. And then uh, I lived with a guy that had like built a studio, and he was really fun and nice and had guitars, and then I just slowly started doing stuff with him. Or whoever was around, we recorded stuff like with Dick Stenny from the, um, uh, Jesus Christ, I just had a stroke, uh, from the, uh, oh, please God, help me. <laughs> Thank God, some breaking news. <laughs> weirdos, from the Weirdos. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. He, he lived with us, and we recorded some stuff together, and then uh, I remember Dinosaur Jr.'s drummer came one day, and sometimes it was just some kid that we didn't know, and we just record. oh, Imad Wasif. Oh, Amat from um, uh, um, Folk Implosion. Uh, yeah, yeah. And lowercase, lowercase. Like, that's what I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've known him since he was like 17 or something. Yeah, good dude. I, um, that, He's great. So a, nice. A San Francisco guy originally, I know. Yeah. Yeah. No. Or, well, he's, so. he lived in SF for a long time. I, I know that much. Oh, okay. Anyway, uh, so, yeah, it was just whoever, and it was fun, and I think I... I don't think I did anything with him. I might have put him on MySpace or something. I don't remember. And uh, just did that for a while. Then I moved out. That was downtown L.A., like close to Skid Row. It was this big warehouse. It was a lot of fun. And I lived there for a few years. It must have been three or four years because that's when I started playing again. And then I moved out into town, like, where do I live? Maybe Silver Lake or somewhere. And uh, I got to be really good friends with Sterling around that time. And I don't remember why we started to play guitar together, but he had, we were, I'd go to his house all the time. He had a couple guitars and we just started doing it. Like I said, he had hardly played, but it was a lot of fun to play with him. You know, you know, I, it's, I enjoy playing with someone that I like playing with a lot more than I like playing with someone who's really great. I mean, I know a lot of right. people say that, but it's true. I don't want to play with someone who's a pain in the ass. That's great. It's no fun for me. And Sterling's great. He's just great. And he couldn't, he wasn't amazing. He just started. You know, but it was fun, and we had, and we just started doing it, just me and him for a while. And that was, had he played another? He had, you said he had not played in other bands before, or just hadn't played a show before. Or? I don't, I'm not sure, really. I don't think he had played. In it. If he did, it maybe it was like some, I don't know, Boys Town juvie band or something. <laughs> I have no idea. Well, boys, we want to get you together and sing for the for the winter choral. <laughs> yeah. Let's just let's just say that Sterling has a checkered past. Mm. Okay. All right, fair enough. <laughs> he, he had a childhood he had a special time as a kid. So anyway, he he uh crawled up out of the gutter and played guitar with me for a while. I'm just kidding. <laughs> we, we're just really good friends, and we just started playing, and just somehow we ended up getting a practice space. I don't remember how all this shit even happened, but Hepatitis has been recording for... It's been a while. About that, a, like a dozen years. And, uh, you, you know, you, you guys, again, because I, I saw that show in San Francisco, which I feel like was, at least for me, was pretty early on. But yeah, it was. It was really early on. Yeah, for me, the collision, the collision of worlds, and just sort of like, oh, cool, was hearing that Paul from Quee was playing with you. Oh yeah, how did that even happen? Oh, we had, oh, we had this show. Melvin had asked us to open for them in Los Angeles, and our drummer quit right before they asked us. <laughs> oh man! And then he was like, they were. I was like, uh. And Buzz was just like, can you get someone? And I was like, I'm sure I can, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I can, yeah, Buzz, I and, can probably get someone. <laughs> and uh, 
and I've known Matt quite a while too, and I think I remember I just somehow we asked Paul, and he was sure let's try it out. And we worked up a set, and he did fine. And I never asked him to join because I didn't want him. I just wanted him to do it. If I didn't want there to be any weird pressure, or I think I did that with Adam too, where we just play and just go. You know, how do you like it? Do you want to keep doing it? Right. And we did that with him, and and because uh, you know it's a lot different than queer stuff he's done. Oh sure, but I mean that guy's yeah, just, an incredibly versatile musician. I mean, like that's yeah, he's great. Like a lot he of people, sing. he does all he does all kinds of crazy. He does he does the every Christmas season he plays piano and sings like in malls. Like he can do anything. Yeah, he, he's like he's like one of those guys that can can play everything. He's pretty good at it, and and does not seem to really have that much of an ego at all either. And it's, well, our our band really has that going for us. Those guys are willing to go along with a lot of nonsense that I dream up. When I came from a very privileged place with them is that I knew Kui for years before Yao ever started singing with them. You know, like right, right. one of their, if I remember right, I think one of their first shows when they moved to LA was with us at the smell. And like they had been there for oh, like wow. a week or something along the, like, I don't even, I mean, this was like two episodes ago and I can't even remember, but like I've known them for a long time and I, it was probably until years later I was like, oh man, you can like really sing. Oh man, you can play like all these other instruments too. Like yeah. it was, I mean, I don't want to sound reductive. But I love I was it. like, wow, you're not just a good drummer. You can do all these other things also. That's great. So when I heard that he had joined Hepatitis, I came from a place where I understood what that meant. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. I can't wait to hear what that sounds yeah. like. We did on record, and it's just because I knew he could do it. I mean, how, how how else would I get a chance to do this? We're in the middle of this shit storm. He sings a cappella, a Beach Boys song, or part of a Beach Boys song. <laughs> I was like, this is so rad. Who gets right. to do this? Yeah, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. It, 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 you get to be able to take it in a different, to a different place. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, I, yeah, I, I'm really lucky I have both those guys. Well, and it's it's it works well, and I think that uh, you know that and the and the blue fat pussy is the you guys have a furious pace of recording and releasing stuff, but blue fat pussy is Thank a you. fantastic nice record. That's I, th- I think a great place to, to kind of drop in for people that are looking to check it out or yeah yeah or whatnot. Probably ever band thinks this but i like i feel like each record's better yeah like the, the latest yeah. stuff is usually what you're most excited about and, you know. yeah but you know is it true i don't know i mean i think there's been, it. it's not like the early stuff sucks it's just that's you know i think i think you've grown into something now that sounds more like you rather than like yeah yeah I agree. I agree yeah i agree it feels yeah we we're talking about that too just playing live it feels more like we can sit on each other rather than have to worry right there, there it seems more i mean relaxed is definitely not the right word but it definitely it seems very sure, comfortable sure. That's what, you know yeah yeah we I, I it's a good there's a good vibe good psychic vibe to that band went last year when we toured with the melvins and pinkus was there <laughs> it made me laugh because uh, we were just whatever and he goes boy you guys seem really nervous it was before the show <laughs> we were just fine because you know, we're we're comfortable with each other, so that's that's really good. Yeah, and so so tell me, and again, I I want to be mindful of your time and the fact that you've you've spent so much awesome time talking to me and and telling these great stories. But for the gear nerds in the audience, I know I'd be remiss if I didn't ask about the base six. 
Can you can you speak a little oh. bit to uh, switching over to the base six? This here? is how this is how tuned in I, I am to gear. I was like base six. I don't know what you're talking. About. <laughs> I have six bases. Wait, where? Which one? Yeah, yeah. That's I've got this disconnect to gear. It's just crazy. I've had someone come up to me on stage and go. What kind of amp do you play through? And I had to turn and look at my amp to tell them. Read off the title. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Oh, really? I played through that, huh? Hmm. Uh, well, what happened? God, it buzzes in a lot of these stories. Buzz had got... Uh, I'm sure he doesn't mind. Uh, no, I'm sure he doesn't. He'll never know. Buzz is an asshole. Buzz had... Uh, he had a six. I'd never seen one. The VI, great. I call it. Much, the much VI. too... Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Matt, much to Matt Cronk's irritation, I always call it the VI. And uh, he had one, and I was messing with us, and I started thinking, I was like, God, for a slide bass, this might be incredible. Yeah. But, you know, it's got a little neck, and it's weird. But then I got a chance to get, I mean, they don't cost anything. They cost nothing. They're yeah, because like they haven't really been discovered as, like, a cool instrument, necessarily. They're just yeah, like yeah, this weird but the idea totally appealed to me. Yeah, yeah, right. I had no idea they existed, but I was just thinking clear, totally in, in terms of the slide. Okay, like, uh, I can get re- I can get really high, you know, up the, up there. And uh, so I got one for a song. Actually, I got two because they were so ridiculous. I got I got a great deal. I got two of them because nobody wants them. Right. And uh, nobody wants. I even called Fender, and I was like, "Where do you get strings? Because it comes with these strings." And I tried to. Base VI set of strings from somebody, Ernie Ball, and it didn't fit. I was like, there's no strings for this. So I called them and I said, where do you get strings for this? And they said, oh, I don't know, probably some some factory in Japan. And I goes, do you sell them? He goes, no. And I go, you realize this base is basically unusable. And he goes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay. So I, I found a guy, everyone knows about him in England that makes uh, bridges for him because the bridges kind of a tuna can. So I got this other bridge just a little bit. Although later I tried, I saw some people saying you could just flip the bridge around and that does work. I tried it. Oh, but anyway, I got, yeah, yeah. So if you get one, I think that's just as good, but I just, they weren't expensive, like 90 bucks. So I got a couple bridges and I, I always use uh, metal nuts. So I had some metal nuts put on them. They're fine. I mean, I, like I was worried, is it going to sound like a guitar? No, it doesn't. It sounds like a bass. It's great. And then I just I just tuned those high strings to the same note. I was doing B for a while and doing C now, so just kind of a piercing drone. Yeah, it kind of chimes out uh, altogether. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, And I'm not super careful about them being in tune to each other, so it has <laughs> a, some of that weird, weird kind of... Getting all the pro tips. Unpleasant here. chorusing of a, 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 a sound. When you're doing high screaming slide or even just with my finger with weird effects, it just sounds amazing. And then I, as you know, I was trying to figure it all out. I I didn't tell you, I did end up getting one of those um, EGC bolt-on necks. Oh, you did? Awesome. Yeah. I I mean, should should I say awesome? I mean, it's... Yeah, yeah. I I was a little nervous because they're not cheap. It's not as much as a guitar, but... And then I was like, well, this might make no difference. You know, I might have just spent money on a neck. That, but I, I had one of those guitars, you know that. And, and the, I just love playing that neck. Some people hate them. But for me, that neck just yeah. sucks me in. I just wanted to keep playing and playing and playing. So I was like, Once right, I got I'm used to it, it's like I can't, it, it was hard for me to go back to anything other than that. I was like, oh, man, right. this feels like a tree trunk now. What's happening? 
And that, that guy that makes those guitars, he has huge orders, so sometimes it takes him a billion years. Yeah. So there was a lot going against me of this even working out. And um, a friend of mine who talks to him a lot, Jesse Neiman, who who does uh, Void Mains, does this crazy uh, synthesizer oh, yeah. stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he's, he's great. But he, he talks a lot to Kevin at, at Electric Guitar, and he said, hey, I think he's about to make a batch of those bolt-on necks. I didn't even know he made them. No, I know why I came in because I used to say I wish EGC made a bass VI because I bet that'd be cool. <laughs> right. And uh, and uh, he said they're making necks. They make bolt-ons. And I looked online. I was like, oh, fuck, those look cool. And they just had me making them right then because, like I said, it takes a long time to get stuff from yeah. them. So I looked out and I got one. And then it came. You know, I had a guy put it on, and I was like, oh, shit. You know, I may have spent money on something that doesn't feel or sound any different. And then I. Uh, I, had, I played it at home without a real lamb. I was like, well, it feels great. But that bass was so heavy. And I was just like, fuck, now i got a bass that will probably sound exactly the same that I can't play because it's too heavy. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> and I could have used this $2 bass that's just fine, you know. But it's great. I love it. It sounds great with the amp. I bought a nice wide strap <laughs> it's like yeah. an eight inch wide strap and that helps, it's fine yeah, yeah it's fine it's, it doesn't feel i always played through really heavy bases anyway right so it wasn't a huge jump for me those, like those uh those customs uh longhorns i had weighed a lot yeah they look cool but yeah those things are heavy as hell <laughs> but i but i'm used to that that's fine i don't care so it's it's worked out great. I love it. I love, the neck feels amazing. It sounds great. It's not giving me back aches. I'm very happy, and it looks ridiculous. Yeah, it's it's definitely well. It's not even just ridiculous. It's iconic. Like it's definitely you're going to get people like whoa. You're going to get people that want to talk to you about gear. That's what's going to happen. It looks like it looks like Frankenstein, like yeah. a, a shiny tin neck with this you know three dollar white body right. i love it <laughs> it looks like uh you know if, if when they in the science fiction movies where they take the caveman and they give him the cybernetic implants or whatever ah, exactly <laughs> yeah it should have it should have bolts on the neck like Frankenstein. Right. <laughs> but yeah I, I love it i just got it all together in the last couple of weeks and we've been rehearsing with it it's it's great well, I can't wait to see you play it, man. This is uh, that. I, yeah, I, I so hate for, talking about gear. I, well, I know, but I, I appreciate. Oh, no, no, I'm not, one of the reasons not, I'm not why the, you. your perspective on this is actually awesome because I, it's different than someone that's just gonna you know sit there and give you like the tape op description right. of you know guitar no, world. No, I, I get it. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not upset that you asked. I just feel like a tool when I talk about gear, so I never do it. Well, if you are, you're being a very entertaining tool, which is good for my show. So I, I appreciate uh-huh. that. Oh, tool. That was one thing I wanted to interject. I'm oh, okay. pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that I'm the only person that has played in three different bands that's open for tool. How's that for sort of a wow. pointless brag? Nice. Nice. So it's my feeling that I've seen tool more times than tool has. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Well, so last thing, Kevin, that I want to talk to you. This is a question I intend to ask everyone that's on the show at some point, as long as I remember. The answer is yes. <laughs> well, good. Glad to know. All right. Good talk. Uh, it, it's it's more of an open-ended philosophical question, but why do you do what you do? What, what choice do I have? What else am I going to do? Uh, it's 
Believe me, I have to ask myself that every day because I'm an old man. There's very little interest in my music, and why do I do it? It's it just it gives me pleasure, and and uh, I when I don't do it, I feel a little weird, a little sick, and so there you go. I don't know. I I don't have anything lofty to say about it. I I get embarrassed or whatever and think I shouldn't even be doing this. This is ridiculous. But then I don't feel right if I'm not doing it. So I just keep my head down and keep going. I'm really lucky that anyone listens to this shit. If if uh, if if being in Tarmahawk and the Melvins and the Cows helps me get ears to listen to this music, great. You know, I've said that to Buzz before. I was like, oh. Well, I was being kind of a wiener and just said, you know, the only reason people listen to my music is because I was in the Melvins. And he goes, good. Yeah, they, they got in the door, didn't they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't even know why I would say something so creepy. Well. But, uh, yeah. You know. So you I know. just do it and I do it and I try not to, I don't know, what can I do? What am I going to do? I think that that's actually a really fantastic answer. And I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me, man. Oh, thank you. I'm glad we were able to do it. And uh, of course, I'll, I'll I'll pimp all the tour dates and everything uh, coming up. You're playing with uh, Melvins and with Cunts. and uh, you know who? Yeah, exactly. Oh shit, you can say it. We, oh, we can say and it. the we Cunts. <laughs> we're doing a yeah. They were doing like a co-bill thing where they alternate who nice. opens each night. And and watch for that limited edition vinyl when they're gone, they're gone. So if that's a thing that interests yeah. you, get yeah. there early. We got singles. We got CDs with the fancy letterpress cover. Everything has a real nice, either silk screened or letterpress covers that Mouse Squaws did. So it's nice stuff. Uh, so great talking to you, Kevin. Thanks so much for doing it, brother. Thank you, Conan. All right. Bye bye. All right. Take care. And there he goes, Mr. Kevin Romanis. Let's listen to uh, actually, Jesus Christ. No, we're going to actually, <laughs> we're going to close the show, is what we're going to do. I didn't realize, I didn't look at the time. Uh, what a cool guy. So glad that worked out. It's, um, is this thing on? It's great getting the full, uh, the full thing with that there. Uh, if you are looking for hepatitis stuff, remember that hepatitis is, uh, HEPA, H-E-P-A dot Titus, T-I-T-U-S, when you do your searches. They're on uh, Instagram. Are we going? They're on Facebook. Uh, all the normal places you think to get that kind of stuff. You can get uh, Rock as Hell Records is where you can get Blue Fat Pussy, where you can get the Night Goat 7-inch. I didn't ask him about the harmonica, dude. I meant to ask him about the harmonica, dude. No, it's fine. We're talking about a bunch of other stuff. There's a harmonica dude on it from Australia. It's bluesy. It sounds like uh, when the levee breaks. Name of the show is Conan Neutron's Protonic Reversal. The show happens Thursdays, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central, 6 p.m. Mountain, 5 p.m. Pacific. Signing off. Radio Nope. Mr. and Mrs. America and all the ships at sea. RadioNope.com. Anyone within the sound of my voice. Podcasted. Wherever you get your normal podcast. Stitcher, Apple, Spotify. I've got 50,000 watts of power. Radioneutron.com for the archives. 
If you haven't already subscribed, you get the episodes quicker. Live listeners, Music On with Music Off coming up next. microphone turns sound into electricity. It's an ode to the drummer of Crucial Conformity. Can you hear me now? Out on Route 128, dark and lonely. Take it easy. to my top 10. I'd like to thank our sponsor. But we haven't got a sponsor. Not if you were the last man on earth. She was prepared to prove it. This one goes out to a special girl.
isn't really broadcasting if there's no one there to receive. Got my radio on. 